Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. What's Geico's brand promise? You know this. I love Harley Davidson's brand promise. We are Harley Davidson. <laughs> now, although we may not always reflect it, Pastor Randy says the church too has a brand promise. And he's teaching on it today in his new series, Dream Again, a study in X. Today, in all likelihood, will be the most important sermon that I ever preach. Turn in your Bible now to Acts chapter one. Here's Pastor Randy. Acts chapter one, stand with me if you would. Acts chapter one, beginning at verse six. The, there's a brand promise that the, the church has. We forget it sometimes. This is a great example of it. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, at this time, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? If I'm editing the Bible and I'm trying to prove Jesus, I would just put a big X right there. He's been with these guys for three years and they missed the whole point. Jesus. So if your kids are giving you a little grief, it's okay, all right? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his authority. Here's our brand promise. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea. Okay, that's okay. Samaria, whoa. Those aren't the good guys, Lord. And to the ends of the earth. That includes the Romans. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. Jesus reminds them of brand promise. A brand promise is a little bit more than a mission statement. Some, some mission statements of businesses are brand promises. My brother Vernon talked about their brand promise last, last week. The church has a brand promise. The United States has a brand promise. We, we can forget it sometimes. The, the brand promise that my brother's uh, school has is if you're serious about your dream, then we'll take your dream seriously. That's, that's their wall. What, what's, what's Geico's brand promise? You know this. 15 minutes and we'll save you 15% on your car insurance. What's, what's BMW's brand promise? The ultimate driving machine. We'll put them up, we'll put them up on the screen after I say them, okay? So um, what, is, uh, what is Apple's? It's... We'll charge you a lot for your accessories. <laughs> we'll charge you twice as much as, as a PC. No, it's think differently. That's their brand, think differently. That, that's the whole brand promise for them. And, and of course we wanna do this. I love Harley Davidson's brand promise. We are Harley Davidson. <laughs> it's just like, just nobody else needs to even try. We are Harley Davidson. Whatever you're doing is not as good as us. Um, Grace New Hope has a brand promise. People helping people experience life through Jesus every day. As a nation, we have a brand promise. It's, it's what we're supposed to be about. Acts chapter one, verses one and two. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit 
to the apostles whom he had chosen. This first thing is, is really about this brand promise. There's a brand promise that he gives. There's a book here, and this book has a purpose, and that purpose is to tell the story of the church. It's the second gospel. And Luke is probably the most significant writer in the New Testament. Now, some people think that's Paul, but, but in terms of volume, Luke by far exceeds Paul. When you take Luke and Acts and you put them together, certainly over a span of time, Luke is the most significant writer. What Luke is doing here is presenting this second gospel, and he's going to do it accurately. It's gonna be about all that the church does. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, listen, you're going to do greater things than I did. And when you look at what is going on in the church, here in this in this place, in this moment, and again, looking back at verse six, he's got a handful of disciples, a few ladies, and that's really it. This, this movement, the, there no longer are the 20,000 people on a hillside, 5,000 men and about 20,000 other people. That, that, this isn't the movement anymore. It's a handful of people. Jesus has died. Come back, but not everyone has seen that. This movement appears like it's literally on the verge of collapse. But something is going to happen. I, um, I don't say this with any sense of hyperbole at all. Today, in all likelihood, will be the most important sermon that I ever preach. But we won't know for 40 years. Now, According to my family's genetics and what I do with bacon, I have a shot at, at being here to see it. My grandpa lived to 99. My grandma lived way up into her 90s. I, I got a shot at this. But this is gonna wind up being, do we live into this brand promise? This is a, a book that is seeking to not just expand the gospel and, and talk about what the gospel is it also is going to be about what the church does. He says that it, it's all that, that Jesus did and taught. It's, it's teaching is specifically trying to make an apologetic towards the Romans to say this, that what the gospel is is not a threat to your kingdom. He talks to Government leader after government leader after government leader. It's, it's very specific that it's infused in there. This is a book that's saying to the Romans, this is not a new religion. You couldn't have a new religion in Rome. You could have an existing religion. It's saying, no, this is Judaism completed. This is not new. You're gonna see that in this book. It's gonna be woven all through it in the details of it. It's also a personal purpose here. Flip over to Luke. Because the same person that he addresses here in Luke, specifically here in verse three, it seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Theophilus very well could be a nickname. Theophilus is one who loves God. It could be a nickname. It seems in the way that the writing is going here that Theophilus was a Roman official. So Luke is writing to Theophilus, and he says to him, 
that you may have certainty. Theophilus is either a believer or he's very attracted to the gospel. This book also is purposed in terms of who Luke is. We know that from Colossians 4.14 that Luke is a doctor. It's right there in your notes. We know in 2 Timothy 4.11 that he's loyal. But ancient writings around the ancient Near East and the way that this is written and what Luke's position is would also potentially tell us something else about Luke. And a lot of Bible scholars believe this and it would make complete sense when you look at the way he's speaking to Theophilus, when you look at the position that he was, Luke in all likelihood had been a slave. Luke was a man who in all likelihood had been bought either out of his debt or out of someone else's debt and he had been bought. Wealthy people would often take one of their most bright young leaders and they would send them to medical school so they would have their own personal doctor. It'd be nice today to have your own personal doctor, wouldn't it? You wouldn't have to like do teledoc and all those kind of things. You could just go and you could just go next door and your doctor would be there. They would go with you wherever you went. And when you think about how difficult it would have been to get medical treatment in that day, it would have been a tremendous thing. It tells us something here about Luke. When you read these accounts, Luke's incredibly humble. He never talks about how great he is, how smart he is. It's always about other people. And it also tells us something that our position in life does not determine our power. Listen to me, church. It's our portion in Jesus that does. That's what, that's what gives us our place in life. Luke is not writing from a place of look at me. Even though his Greek is excellent Greek, he is obviously an educated man. He does it from a place of incredible humility. It's also a purposed method. It's about what the church would do. James 2.14 says, what good is it if someone says they have faith but does not have works? Faith without works is dead. This is going to be about a church that is going to be doing things. It's gonna be caring for widows. It's gonna be caring for orphans. It's going to feed people that are hungry. It's gonna bring healing to people that are sick. It's gonna bring dead back to life. This church is gonna be involved. This church is gonna to seek to bring peace where there is conflict. This church is gonna be about putting marriages back together. I was hoping I'd get an amen somewhere. I know it's like, I know it's like kind of early and stuff, but come on. This is what the church would be about. The church is gonna be about literally changing the world, about changing all the things that there are. But then you ask this question, because it says in verse three that Jesus presented himself alive to them by suffering many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. You, you ever ask the question like, why did Jesus hang out for 40 days? It, any of you guys like the Matrix movie? Does, or, I mean, you either do or you don't. Three people. All right, okay, there's a few. Okay, the first one, just the first one. Forget the sec. I, like, if had they never made the second and third Matrix, it would have just been so much better. I'm, it just got really weird. Now there's a fourth one, and, and I, I don't even want to go there. But, but 
At the end of the first Matrix, and, and Neo, if you haven't seen it, the character Neo has figured out the arrangement of everything. And in the end, he's fighting against these evil people and who are using machines, and I'll stop because it's just too complicated. But, but, but in the end, he just flies away. That's where the series should have ended, right there. In some ways, you look at this and you think, wow, like if Jesus had just come out and, and, and spoken to a couple people and then flown away, what a great ending. But he doesn't. He stays for 40 days. You know what he does? He eats food. Hey, hey, got some, got some fish and chips. Walks through doors, shows up. I mean, it's like he's supernatural and he eats fish, which gives me hope for heaven. And, and, but, but if Jesus were from the South, it would be fried chicken. And, and, and I think there should be coffee and all those kinds of, but, but he's like, he's normal and he's not. He's, he's natural and he's supernatural and, and he's interacting and he's talking to them about this thing. He says he's speaking to them about the kingdom. And while staying, he said, don't, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait, wait for the promise. You know, this is a whole other sermon. I don't have time to do this, but, but for a lot of us, you just gotta wait. He's like, Lord, fix this. okay. What, what, when? That's not how he works. This is not a microwave. He said, he said, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna talk about the Holy Spirit next week, how the Holy Spirit works. And, and a lot of us have been afraid of that whole concept, sometimes because of abuse and and misuse of what the Holy Spirit's actually supposed to do. You know, we don't command the Holy Spirit. He commands us. And when that gets turned around, it gets really, really weird. So we want to be careful there. But Jesus, his, this brand identity that he's talking to them about is about the kingdom of God. He's a risen Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, if, if, you, if you would turn over to 1 Corinthians 15, 3. I, I read this at every funeral that I do, because it's so important. He says, for I believed, for I delivered to you of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. Prophesied, 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 prophesied. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day again in accordance with the scripture, the prophecies. That he appeared to Cephas, and then that's Peter, and then to the 12, and he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, last of all, to, to one untimely born. He appeared also to me. He says, I delivered to you of first importance. Listen, they are serving a risen Jesus. I have said this before, I'll say it again. You cannot read the New Testament without understanding the fact that they are talking about a risen Jesus. You don't have to have a risen Buddha to have Buddhism. You don't have to have Muhammad to have Islam. We have to have a risen Jesus to have Christianity. I got goosebumps right now. This is, the, this is who we serve a risen Savior. That changes everything about everything. He conquers sin and death. If he can conquer his death, if he can conquer our sin, he can conquer it today in our lives, whatever's going on, whatever it is, whatever's happening. That's what he can do today. He talks about 
a kingdom community here. It talks about kingdom. When you talk about kingdom, it's about a reign of authority. That reign would be whoever is following Jesus. Wherever it is in the world, we're gonna see that in just a second. He has a method of delivery. That method is the Holy Spirit. They had, when it talks about the scripture in 1 Corinthians, that's the Old Testament. But he's putting on the hearts and minds of people as he's living out his days, as he's teaching. He's putting that into the disciples' hearts and minds. We, we have the Old Testament in terms of, of written, but this New Testament is gonna be written under the authority and under the power of the Holy Spirit. This is this new method that he's going to do to teach them, to empower them, to change the whole world. And gradually, he's gonna release responsibility. There's a leadership paradigm. If, if you've gone to any business seminar any time in your entire life, you've seen this, and some call it the L1, L2, L3, L4. Some call it the D1, D2, D3, D4. But it's essentially this paradigm that says this, that in the beginning, you watch and I do, and then you watch and I, I'll, I'll do it and you help, and then you'll do it and I'll help, and then finally, when, when you get a little bit farther on, you're going to do it and I'm gonna cheer along. It's a gradual release of responsibility. It's the only way this thing works. Let me just say this something to you, church. If, if you don't move past just coming to church on Sunday morning, you will not stay. You won't stay. You're not going to. I mean, at, look, you're gonna, at some point you're gonna go, well, you know, listen, you know, Randy's okay, but man, that guy's preaching a series right now on wealth, and man, I'd really like to be rich. And, I'm gonna go there, right? You know, you know the music's really good here, but but this other church they got a tenor, and he's a, you know, and and I mean I don't really like baritones that much, and so I'm gonna go over there. I mean, if you don't move past watching, you're not gonna want to do this. And let me just be really candid with you: moving from watching to doing at first is not a lot of fun. It, it's hard because. Because you, you, you think, I can do this, it'll be easy, and you start doing it, and it's not. And it doesn't work out the way. Man, you, 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 you come to a worship night, like next Sunday night, and, and we worship, and, and you're like, man, I'm gonna go home, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell my, my mom and dad about Jesus. And you go home and tell your mom and dad about Jesus, and it doesn't work. And you're discouraged. Listen, You've got to get through that initial discouragement phase. That's, gonna, that's going to be hard. We see this with the disciples because sometimes we don't get all of it. And lastly, there is a brand measure, verses six through eight. So they had come together and they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? If you're Jesus, wouldn't you just want to spit right now? I mean, he's taught them all this stuff about the Great Commission as you're going to the ends of the earth. For God so loved the, no, my neighborhood. The world. But you know what, they're, they're like, Lord, so, so now we get to take out the Romans? Now, now? I mean, how frustrating would it be how frustrating would it be? It would, it would literally be like if you came home and, and you, you bought a chainsaw for, 
for your, for your son and you brought the chainsaw home and, and you taught him how to use it and everything and, and you walked back the next day and he had taken it all apart and was trying to like run a go-kart or something with it. I mean, it, 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 it has a purpose. It has, it, there's, a, there's a reason this is supposed to work and, and Jesus corrects them. He says, look at this. He says, you know, that, he goes, that's not your business. It's not for you to know times or seasons. He doesn't even rebuke them for the big mistake. He goes, it's not for you to know time or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. Look at what he does. He, he puts them back. He takes them literally from that second position of, of I do and you help to all of a sudden you do and I help. Watch this. this. He takes them to the L3 position of leadership or the D3. Look at what he does. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. That word witness, by the way, is essentially martyr. In Jerusalem, Judea. Wait, Lord. Okay, so Jerusalem, Judea, were witnesses Israel, Samaria? Oh, it's not just us and the ends of the earth. The church has forgotten this. The church has forgotten the, the great commission. All authority's been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. No, this is our new great commission. Go therefore, take people from other churches and get them to worship two to three times a month, potentially online. Encourage them to join a community group, serve a couple times a month, really feel good in a worship setting that tells them God will help them be their very best now, potentially get wealthy, and oh yeah, there's heaven. That's not the great commission, church. We've turned it into that. Can I be honest? I wrote this out and the Lord said, yeah, it looks a little bit like you sometimes, doesn't it? 90% of church growth is church to church. People going from church. There's a whole other world out there. Yeah, it's Jerusalem and Judea. It's, it's your people. Samaria. We don't like Samaritans, Lord. They're different from us. They worship different from us. The ends of the, the Romans too, that's what the book of Acts is about. Watch how they go after the Romans. Ethiopians. Look how they go to the whole world. Look how Paul goes to other places. It's not in scripture, but Thomas goes to India. I'm really glad. Yeah, you'd have to think about that a little bit. I got a couple takeaways. The measure is the world. There's no person too far away, too far gone to be reached by the extravagant love and complete redemption of Jesus. You can't sin too much and you can't do too much to earn it. You can't sin too much to push it away. The pagan idea of God was, was we have 
a God who's for our little community here. That's our God. Artemis, oh, we love Artemis. Artemis has been good to us. That's the pagan idea of God. The, the, re, the monotheistic biblical view of God. Talking about this next week. There's a book I've been reading. A, a, the, the pagan idea of God was always that God was little and about me. The biblical view of God is that we have a God that's about us. One God, not little idols, not powerless little idols. Here's the second thing. We all count. Now, I'm gonna do a little math exercise with you, all right? What I want you to do is I just want you to double the next number. We're gonna go as far as we can. Don't take out your calculators, okay? Biggest church in America today um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard with COVID because there's so many people watching online. Hey, guys. Um, is, um, hey, my brothers are watching too. Hi, guys. It's good being with you guys this weekend. Um, the the um, biggest church movement in America is about 100,000 people, okay? Okay, let's just do the math here. One person disciples one person for two years. Two years, double it every two years, okay? Here we go. At the end of two years, okay, we start with two. At the end of two years, how many we got? Four, two more years, eight, two more years. You guys are getting a little quieter as we go. Two more years, two more years, two more years. That got, (laughs) two more years. Okay, all right, two more years. Wow, some of you guys are clipping along. Two more years? Two more? Two more? Wow, we got some smart people here. Two more? Two more? I'm just listening. I got one bidder right here. We got another bidder back there. Oh, Mark. Oh, Mark. I got two bidders going. Okay, here we go. All right. I got another bidder. Oh, you're. (laughs) We're going to start. We're going to stop while we're winning here, okay? At the end of 40 years, the end of 40 years, two people begin. Disciple for two years, the end of 40 years. Listen to this, 1,048,576. What if we started with 200? I mean, I mean, we, we when, whenever, pre-COVID, there was about, there was about 1,900, 2,000 people would show up at New Hope. There's online numbers, you know. I mean, there's still probably about 1,500 people call New Hope home Everybody's when everybody's here. Let's just go with 200. Let's just, let's just go with 200. Here we go. All right, this one's easy. 200, Tom, two years. 400, 800. Bitter? (laughs) 
You got it. You got it. Mark? He got that one. He, you're out. Uh-huh. At the end of, at the end of 40 years, we're at 209 million people. Let's just say like, I don't eat bacon at all and I get to 44 more years of life. Get out to 102 years old. 838,860,800 people. Church, we could change the world. One person at a time. One person at a time. This is our brand promise, we make disciples. Here in Cambodia, and I'm asking you today to join me in a simple call, will you make disciples? There's a tear off in your grace notes today. And I think it says something like, I wanna make disciples, I'd like to be discipled. And if you don't wanna turn the last one in, you don't have to, but be honest with yourself, no, I'm not interested in making disciples. You don't need to take that up with me. I'm not, I'm not who you need to take that up with. Because it's not my call. I'm just trying to do it. Do we have a brand promise? Our, our nation has a brand promise. I, I worked two weeks at Ground Zero after 9-11. When I got to the pit, it was still smoking. They told us it was safe, I don't think it was. EPA said it was fine, I don't think it was. I remember getting there, I flew in at night with a bunch of college students and we flew in and we could see the lights they were working and we flew in and, and I just had to go down there. And I, I, I went down and and I had this badge, this access badge with Billy Graham Prayer Center, and it had this sticker on it. I didn't know what that meant. I went up, I went through lines of security, and they just kept passing me through. And finally, there was this female police officer, and she was standing about 100 yards from the pit. And I said, where can I go? And she looked at, she took my badge, and she looked at my badge, and she said, thank you so much for being here. I said, yes, ma'am, let me pray with you then. I prayed with her. I said, but ma'am, tell me where I can go. She goes, anywhere that's safe. I didn't feel like anywhere was safe. These, these guys trained at our airport, right here. One of our college kids fueled the planes that they practiced in. I, I walked around, I talked with people. I, I realized I was mostly just in the way and I went back and there was this little restaurant thing where all the firemen were going. I walked over and I said, hey, I'm here to help. It was like midnight. I said, I'm here to help. What can I do? And he, go, and he hands me a bucket with some water and he goes, can you, can you clean off their shoes? And I said, sure, I, but they're gonna go back out. What's the point? He goes, that ash, it's not just drywall 
and old desks. So I would go and I would get on my hands and knees and I would wash their boots as they were eating and these big firemen in their coats and everything would sit there and cry and say, thank you. Pat me on the head, say, thank you. We took kids up at spring break, about 50 students, high schoolers, and we sat at the Tower of Lights. If you remember the Tower of Lights that was, that was there, and I think we have a picture of it, and, and the, with, we would just sit out there and we would do worship, and people would gather by the hundreds. We stayed rain or shine. I ruined a guitar out there, and we, just, we would just worship. One of the kids that was with me there worshiping went into the military, did three tours in Afghanistan. This, this week, I got a phone call that what we're trying to do in Afghanistan could happen, but there was a government person who needed to say yes to this. And I called that kid's dad. And I said, um, you remember when we went to New York and you remember all that your son did for our country? I said, I'm gonna ask you to do something else, if you would. Would you call this government person? Would you tell them what we're trying to do? And would you ask them if, if they would say yes? He... Um, he sent this person, this person, you would, you would know their name. Highest levels of government, elected official. He sent him a picture of his son in Afghanistan giving candy to kids. He wrote on there, my son, went to New York and we and sang worship songs out by the towers and did three tours. This is what we're supposed to be about. This is our brand promise. I was with, with 500 veterans this weekend, my brother James. I'm so happy for him that, that after all that he did, there was some honor that came towards him. So well-deserved. And they, um, we, we got a picture of, this is the, this class, that's the 2020 class. We did two classes, 20 and 21. I, I sat there, it was a three and a half hour banquet. Um, so don't y'all be complaining about our 10 minute church. Plus our chairs are much cushier. But after about three hours and hearing speech after speech after speech and lots and lots and lots of songs, this thing hit me. This is our brand promise here. It's liberty and justice. We say that as our pledge. Does it happen all the time? No, it doesn't. Absolutely. No one would look at our history and go, oh, it's always been liberty, it's always been justice. But when it's not, we go to the courts. When it's not, we call our leaders and we say, this is not right and it needs to change. Yeah. 
That's the brand promise of our nation. We're gonna, we're gonna pray for a couple things this morning as we close. Worship team, you can make your way. I, I wanna ask Mark, Mark's getting deployed and we wanna ask Mark to come over here to the neighborhoods. We wanna continue to pray about the Afghan kids. Government officials said yes, by the way. A friend whose wife grew up in this youth group is, is flying to a country Monday with the intent on when he comes back, he's gonna have a bunch of kids with him. And then we're gonna have to figure out what we do. But there's a whole bunch of people, Christians, that are lining up to say, yes. This is our brand promise. We follow Jesus. We make disciples. And we do the things he taught us to do. We wanna pray for Mark, brand promise of our nation that liberty and justice still matter. And when it doesn't, we bring it to the attention of people. We change laws. We pass amendments. We bring hope. We wanna pray for our schools over here. If you need prayer for your marriage or, or healing back at the cross, there'll be There'll be elders and shepherds back there praying, praying over you. We wanna lift these things. We're gonna pause for a couple minutes. We're gonna remember God with, and what he's promised us, this, this promise that we have a life that's based on his death and his resurrection, that we have a hope that's based on his blood. He told us to do this in remembrance of him with communion. We wanna to go to these places and we wanna pray. But I also wanna ask you this, church. Can we start making disciples again? Can I just be honest with you? In the last year and a half, my eyes got off that. It got about surviving. It got about surviving. It got about, can we keep the church open? Here's the deal. We make disciples Church is gonna be fine. We, plant, we can plant churches and not make disciples, but if we make disciples, I saw you this morning out there doing that, by the way, Tom. Out on, out on the patio this morning, 7.30, sitting out there discipling somebody. If we make disciples, you can't stop this. 800 million people, 800 48,000 people, which one of those people doesn't matter? The, a brand promise comes out of your values. We think all people have value because they're made in the image of God. We think God still speaks through his spirit and his word. We, we say that following Jesus is the fullest life. And we also say this, that we believe that we're gonna operate as family on mission together. And if we do that, the world will be changed. And so will we. Jesus, move, do things beyond anything we ever imagined by your grace, by your power, 
In Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, I thank you for Mark. Thank you for this man. Lord, uphold him as he's deployed. Be with his sweet, sweet bride as we surround her and love her in this season. God, be with these kids. If it's in your will, bring them not just to the U.S., but Jesus, bring them to Georgia. And let us show them the promise of liberty and justice. And when we don't do the brand, Lord, that you've called us to, correct us and remind us that we would be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. In your name we pray. Amen. We make disciples and we follow Jesus. That's our brand promise. Thanks for joining us. I'm Myrna Brown.